Uh, I'm glad to be here. We have some visitors in the place we want to welcome. Can we just clap it up for our visitors here today? We got some first time guests. We got some second, third time guests that have been here before. We want to encourage you to visit our Next Steps table. Um, we also have a phone number. You don't even have to go over to the Next Steps table. You can actually just text this phone number right here. Uh, if you text New Life, uh, you'll receive information of our church and you know what we're about, who we are, um, and, and other ways to connect with us. There's keywords here you can use. MC, that's our weekly gatherings. Give, if you want to give to our ministry, events, upcoming events that are happening. Um, so I want to encourage you to uh, text that number right now. It's a great way to stay connected. Even if you're not visiting, uh, we'll have updates as well that are going to be being shot out via text mail, okay? Text, text message. Um, we also have a couple of announcements here. I want to just point our attention to this. Um, we have our Impact 2020 Day. This is an all-church meetup. Uh, this is scheduled for... Uh, next Sunday, I just want to ask that you guys stay posted for that. Uh, we may still have that um, in kind of an abbreviated form. It might be online. It might be in person. I don't know. Another reason why to text that phone number. Um, so that's going to be in preparation for our Easter outreaches. Um, and we just want to stay connected to that and what's going on. We also have an all-church cleanup that's happening uh, the following Saturday, 328. So um, another, another great opportunity to come out here and be a part of what's going on. And just to keep this place strong and going as we move forward. Um, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward if you would. And you know what? We're going to... Um, I'm trying to... Yep, just walk through the aisles and we'll just collect that just so we don't pass that and transfer those bags along the aisles. I'm going to say a quick word of prayer and then I have one more announcement and uh, then we'll receive the offering. If you're visiting, please don't feel obligated to give. Father in heaven, thank you for this powerful, powerful Sunday to meet and greet, to hear your word, to worship in community. Father, I'm reminded of how awesome it is to be together. There's power in unity. I'm thinking of the psalmist who said, man, it was joyful when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Not because of the physical establishment, but because of the people and because of the God, you who meets us when we gather together. You've promised to be there. God, you're here now. And God, you want to do something powerful in our midst. I pray, Jesus, that your name would be glorified, that we would receive direction for this time, this opportune time that we are facing as a church, as a people of God, as a society, God, that we would be, we would be engaged with your kingdom and your will, God, that we would not shrink back in fear and anxiety, God, that we would be where people turn to find hope, to find direction, to find wisdom. I pray for a powerful outpouring of grace on your church in this place. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to give uh, to your kingdom. We ask you in, in your name to bless this offering. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, ushers, as you receive that. In just a moment, we're going to release the kids. If you have children, we're going to sign them in. If you haven't done so already, our Kids Zone team is waiting to check them in. Um, and there is, the kid zone is straight back. Uh, a team will lead them back over there uh, if you have babies. So when we rise up to see the next step table, check in, the team will meet in the back with the kids. I do want to encourage us as we get ready for this stretch of quarantine that's among us. Um, it has been 
decided, and I think it's wise that we decided this way by our church, which is multi-site movement church here in the city, that next Sunday we will not be meeting in person. We will not be meeting in person, okay? Uh, next Sunday we are actually going to meet online. We're still going to meet, but it's going to be online. It's going to be interactive. We want you to join us. You're going to hear worship. You're going to hear exactly what you heard today. Uh, you're going to hear a good, powerful word preached. Um, you're going to be able to interact and comment and uh, throw little emojis up on the screen like we all love to do. Um, and here is where it's going to happen. It's New Life Community Church slash Humble Park. If you're on Facebook, we want to encourage you to go on, follow our page. Our services next week will be online at that um, on this uh, page. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. You'll see this uh, detail, which is our sermon series verified. Um, so go on, join that, and uh, we'll be online next week starting at 1030. Amen? So at this time, we're going to rise up. We're going to refrain from handshakes, hugs, and high fives. We're going to give the, some air hugs, some air high fives, some big smiles, some thumbs up. And uh, after we get back together, grab some hand sanitizer, make sure you sanitize. And uh, we're going to come back together, grab some coffee, and then we're going to hear from the Word of God. Amen? Thank you so much. Well, I'm excited to jump back into our sermon series that we launched last week called Verified. We are looking at who Jesus is so that we can be sure and be certain in our hearts so that we could know that we know that we know what we believe according to Jesus his words his ministry is true and what better time than now to have a sermon series that discusses that very thing there's a lot being said concerning who Christ is and God and the end of the world and all types of frenzy that's taking place right now due to the recent report of coronavirus and whatnot. And I think it's great to, to launch into a teaching that talks about Jesus being human when he was here on earth. What better topic to address during this time than Jesus being human? He was fully God. We discussed that last week. We talked about him healing the paralytic and forgiving his sins. And in that very moment, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law became so frustrated and so furious with him that they started to plot to kill him. And in that very moment, he was claiming to be God. He claimed to be fully God. There's no way around that. There's other passages that illuminate this truth that Jesus claimed to be God. Well, today we will launch into uh, this huge theological topic of Jesus being fully human when he was here in, in the flesh on earth. And as we start to think about this, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 through 18. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 through 18. We're going to jump out of Luke today and to really uh, illuminate what I believe is some of the best teaching and preaching concerning Jesus' humanity, and it's found in the book of Hebrews. And I'm going to highlight these four passages in chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. And as you're turning there, I want to I make an honest confession this morning. This is 
uh, confession as a father. Now, most of you know that I parent small children. And I, I want to confess, and I hope I'm not judged for this, but this season of parenting has been, what I would say, leading into it and anticipating it, something that I was not looking forward to, if I could say that. Parenting small children, for me, is uh, it, it's, it's strenuous. It's hard. Um, it's something that brings with it a lot of work. It's tiresome. They always seem to need something. Uh, their shirt needs to be buttoned. Their pants need to be zipped. Their nose needs to be wiped. Their food needs to be cut, their seat belt buckled, and the list goes on and on and on. And if you're a parent in this place, you know what I'm talking about. Parenting small children is challenging. It's tiresome. I, and I get it. They're fully dependent on me. They can't do it on their own. They need me and my wife to help them. It's just tiresome. Not only is it tiresome, but it's weighty. If I don't help my kids, they literally could die. It's that serious. Like if I don't teach them how to cross the street and to look both ways, they could be hit by a car and that would be horrific. It's weighty. It's tiresome. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of pressure. I've often said to my wife, and she always corrects me, and I love that she corrects me. I say this to her, I can't wait until they're a little bit older. <laughs> yeah, that, and I always get parents that say the same, wait until they're teenagers. <laughs> and adults. And adults. <laughs> and never stops, huh, Emmy? I, I often think that, and my wife rightly corrects me. And, and I love what she corrects me. She, she often says that there's always going to be needs, but then she says, you need to enjoy the season you're in. And I think that's so right. And I'm thankful that the word of God this past week really struck me to the core concerning this idea of parenting. And this is not the, 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 the full direction of where I'm going today, but as I was reflecting on the passage for today, it's amazing that in this text, God looks down on his creation and he sees them as children who are needy. We are needy children before our Heavenly Father. And our needs never stop. Consistently needing our spiritual noses wiped, our emotional seatbelts buckled. We're constantly needing help. And He sends help by way of His Son in the form of flesh and blood, blood and flesh. Jesus became human to help us. He became human to serve God. The Father heart of God is seen perfectly in the gifting of His Son, Jesus, in blood, in flesh. It's a ministry that never stops. It's a ministry that has accomplished something inherently within it that we were unable to accomplish on our own. Jesus became fully human to help us and to serve God. And I know here today that all of us, no matter where you are at in your walk with Jesus, whether you even have a walk with Jesus, you're in need 
of Jesus' help. And Jesus' help comes through him coming in the flesh. The idea and the ministry of him walking in flesh and bone. We walked here this morning into this sanctuary stumbling down the pathway of humanly need. We're physically tired. We're running on fumes. We're emotionally exhausted. We have little to no capacity to deal with things that are over our head and outside of our control. We're mentally perplexed and puzzled, wondering how to make sense of life right now. We have what Jesus took on, flesh and blood. And this flesh and blood limits us and creates in us a need for Jesus. Thankfully, Jesus became fully human to help us and serve God. Flip to the next slide. I'm going to read this text. And as I'm reading this, I want you to listen. And I want us to really take note of Jesus coming as human form and what it actually accomplished. You'll hear it in here. And I'm going to take some moments to unpack each point. It says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. I want to offer three help aids here that is seen in this text. Jesus came in the flesh, the incarnation, to free us from the power of the devil and the fear of death, to offer mercy and make atonement for our sins and to aid us when we are tempted. The first one, to free us from the power of the devil and the fear of death. It says in verse 14, let me read it one more time. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and to free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. I love that in God's divine sovereignty, in his foreknown will and plan, he decreed that death itself and him who holds the power of death, the devil, must be defeated through a physical sacrifice of blood and flesh. Death defeats death. I don't know how much more epic it gets than that. Death defeats death. Any Comic fans in the place? We got a few of them. This for me is like, you don't need any Marvel or any Captain America here. This is the greatest story that's been ever told. 
that Jesus came in the form of flesh and blood, that God foreordained that he would come in flesh, completely removed, completely wholly other, unlike his creation, independent of them. He chose to come in the form of them in order to save them. He came to defeat the person who held the power of death, the devil. He was holding it over us, holding us ransom under the fear of death. Jesus came as a superhero to disarm the powers that be. We see this plan unfold early in the Old Testament, this idea of death defeating death and the idea of sacrifice. And one of the most striking and clearest images that I want to highlight here today just very quickly is in the initial Passover account in Exodus. Exodus 12 shows us that while in captivity, the Israelites were under the rule and power of Pharaoh, fearful of what was to come. Under the stress, it says that they cried out to God because they were distressed, because they had no hope. God, save us. God, free us. In slavery, it says. God raises up a prophet named Moses. He instructs the people. After a series of plagues, he says there's going to be one last plague. It is going to shake the foundations of Egypt. He tells them to take a lamb without blemish, a male of the first year, and slaughter it. He then told them to take the physical blood and strike both sides of the doorposts of their home. And this would act as a mark, a sign, that when the saving element of the death angel came, this would be the sign for the death angel to pass over that very home. The death of a lamb, perfect, of one years old, unblemished. They were called to slaughter that lamb and take the blood of that lamb and paint the doorpost of their home as they were quarantined. You may or may not know the rest of the story, but it goes like this. On that evening, as the Israelites were in their home, God sends the death angel. He visits every home in Egypt. He takes note of the homes that are marked with the blood of the lamb. All those who have the mark, he passes over, hence the word Passover. But all those who don't have the mark of the blood, sadly, their firstborn son was taken. It was the death of the lamb and the blood of the lamb that saved the Israelites from the death angel. It was the very plague that when Pharaoh heard of this, it says in the scriptures that all of Egypt cried out because of the death of their firstborn. 
it was this very plague that Pharaoh comes to Moses and he says, go, you're free. Take your people, take whatever plunder, whatever you need from this land and go. Death defeats death. We see this same motif practiced continually throughout the Old Testament. This became a repeated practice after they were delivered into the wilderness. If you know anything about the, 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 the covenant community during this time, while they were setting up the tabernacle, there was a law that was established. And we see that in this law, they were called to practice this Passover feast, but also the sacrifices in order to be free from the power of death that came by way of sin. It was the sacrifice of flesh and blood that removed the fear of death due to sin. Death defeats death. Death disarms the fear of death. I thought about it this past week. I thought about the frenzy in our society. I thought about the scare and the, the, the frantic buying and the, the dialogue on social media. And I noticed inherently what was the motive and what was at the core of it all. People are afraid to die. People are afraid to die. You and I, if we're in Christ Jesus, the fear of death has been removed, it has been disarmed, it no longer has sway over us. And you know what the enemy is doing right now? He is peddling fear as a fear monger, looking to captivate people and hold them in bondage and cause confusion. Fear is being used as, as a strategy right now to keep people bound up to keep people disillusioned and in a frenzy where they're not able to look to Christ. And us as a church, we don't have that fear of death. Amen. Or maybe you still do. Maybe there's some here today that still have that fear of death. And you just don't know. You just don't know what happens after. You're like, I, I really don't have... The, the assurance and the security that's talked about here in this text. I sense that there's someone looming over my life and he's holding me captive under fear and I'm afraid to die. Jesus said in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 10, do not fear him who can destroy the body, but fear him who can destroy the body and the soul in hell. There's only one fear that we should have, church. And that is to walk under the fear of God. This is the beginning of wisdom. And church, here, 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 here's what I want to say to us now. We have an amazing opportunity to rise. We sang that song. We have this victory. It belongs to us. We've overcome the fear of death. Jesus has given us this because he was the sacrifice. It was his body, his blood that was spilled for us that marked the doorpost of our souls so that the, the fear of death no longer can come into our life and steal us, rob our joy, rob our peace, rob our security. We've been given this 
in the flesh and blood of Jesus. He came to free us from the power of the devil and the fear of death. Where does this come from? It comes from the fact that Jesus came close to us. He walked in the flesh. He walked in bones. He died a physical death, which all of us, probably in this room, save a return of Christ, will have to face one day. We will have to die physically. But we have a Savior who died physically and then resurrected. And because of his resurrection, we have hope. We have peace. We have power. We can stand as conquerors over death. Death, where is thy sting? You have no power over me. It's lost its power in our life. And now is the time for us to stand up and herald this message. We have been given a great message from a great God who's given us a great son who became a great sacrifice for us. He defeated the devil and totally rendered the power of death inoperative. It no longer has power in our life. The world needs to hear this. Some of us here today need to hear this. If your hope is primarily in something else other than in the resurrection of your soul because Jesus resurrecting, you need to realign, reevaluate, and repent. It's that simple. Jesus came in flesh and blood to free us from the power of the devil and the fear of death. It was a sacrificial lamb, a physical offering. It was fully human. Not only did Jesus come as a human to free us from the power of the devil and the fear of death, but also to offer us mercy. It says in verse 16, For surely it is not angels he helps, but God's descendants. Here we have this Familial language again here in verse 16. I just felt fathered by God this past week. Felt like you have needs, my son. He was saying to me, you have needs. The church has needs. Let them pull up and understand that I sent Jesus to understand those needs so that he could offer mercy. He did not come to help angels, but Abraham's descendants. But why? It says in verse 17, for this reason... He had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he may become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Abraham's descendants are the Jews, but if you expand past that, it's all those who by faith in Christ have been grafted into the family tree. Even Gentiles have become sons of Abraham because of Jesus rescuing them and making him, making us their children. I shared a, a couple of weeks ago about how humans are unlike any part of God's creation. They're not like birds, reptiles, or any other animal class that you may uh, be able to uh, fathom here this morning. They're not even like angels. And it's awesome to me that God could have chosen to become like an angel in order to save us. He could have come in this transfigured, uh, uh, translucent, kind of hovering over the grounds. And he's God. I mean, I'm in God's position. 
oh yeah, I'm, I'm coming with some, some oomph. I'm coming like something different. I'm, you know, I'm coming different, different with, I'm like, I'm showing up on the scene. That's just, I mean, that's how I see it. But he subjected himself to the very weaknesses of his creation. What a humble God we serve. What a humble God we serve. And it's not just something that he chose to do because he wanted to wow creation. I mean, I'm wowed by that. You should be wowed by that. We, we, we should be continuously in awe and worship due to the incarnation. Here we are in, in March. I know we celebrate the incarnation in December for Christmas, but the incarnation is as important today as it is on December 25th, church. And it's powerful. It brings with it weight. It brings with it practical implications for our life, for us as a church. He came in flesh, incarnated in flesh and blood so that he could offer mercy. I love that you see here that it says he was made, it says he was made to be like them, fully human in every way. That means Jesus took on not just our physical flesh and bones, but he took on our emotional capacity too. He took on our mental capacity. He was subject to every capacity and facet of humanity. Why is that important today? Because you may feel as if today, I may feel tomorrow, someone may feel in the upcoming days that God is distant from them. God is not for them. He's against them. This world is crazy. I'm stressed out. I feel like the world is going to end. I feel totally drained. Guess what? Jesus endured those feelings too. He knows about your emotional swings. He knows about your emotional roller coasters. And, and, and am I just preaching to myself here? Because there's some days I'm high and other days I'm really low. <laughs> emotionally. I'm talking emotionally here. How about the mental perplexities of this time? God, what is going on right now? What in the world is happening? I can't fathom this. I, I can't comprehend. It's tough for me to connect the dots, God. I, I'm kind of lost. People are talking to me. I'm trying to give them answers. People are looking at me as a I don't, what's going on? Guess what? God knows about that through Christ in the flesh. He knows about those mental gymnastics that we have to go through as a people. Anybody tired here this morning? It says that Jesus, in the midst of a storm, fell asleep on a boat. He knows how it feels to be physically tired. And in the incarnation, we can pull up next to that and, and just, we have a, a Christ, we have a God. Because of all those things, he can offer us mercy. He can extend mercy mercy to you and you and I need it guys we need a God who understands us and is able to sympathize with us in all of our limitations and our challenges so that he can offer us mercy and additionally so that he can pray to the father father God they need this from you do you understand that Jesus is the only person in the Trinity 
who came in the form of flesh and blood. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. Although he, he is within us, so he understands, and, and it says in Romans 8 that he makes groans and intercessions of all kinds. The Father has consistently been in heaven for eternity. No beginning, no end. He's been eternal. But Jesus stepped out of heaven. And these, these words here, he not only did it fully, but he did it willingly. He said to the Father, he said, and I, I can just imagine as they were kind of concocting the plan of how they were going to save the earth. Yo, Dad, let's do it like this. Let me go and take on the form of flesh and blood so that I can really, really understand what it's like to be our creation. I'm going to embody it fully, every capacity, so that when I come back to make intercessions at your right hand, I can intercede from a place of knowing it fully and so that they can be assured that I know it fully. God knows every single part of our being, church. Some of us feel so missed by God. Some of us feel like we're out of God's reach, that he's not able to minister to certain needs and we bottle up and we pull away. But Jesus came in the form of blood and flesh so that he could offer mercy. He was fully human in every way. He knows the ins and outs of our being. It says, in order to become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God. I love this. And immediately my mind, I mean, we have someone who was born and raised uh, of the Jewish descent here this morning. It was great to talk with you, Brother David. Um, and it's just cool. I, I, I find it fascinating that the writer of Hebrews is pulling back from the Old Testament covenant community and all the traditions and all the, the, the you know, the, the rituals and all the things that they were uh, requested, uh, required to do. He's pulling back to all those. And my mind immediately, immediately goes to Leviticus 16, the Day of Atonement. On the Day of Atonement, the great high priest, you'll learn if you read this in Leviticus 16, that once a year, the great high priest who in this instance was Moses' brother. His name was Aaron. It's, I want to make sure that I, 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 I body this text properly. You guys have to understand what was taking place in Leviticus chapter 16. I've talked about the sacrificial system, the blood that was required, the painting of the doorpost. In Leviticus 16, the high priest who was just one, he was required once a year to go into the Holy of Holies. It was the most holy place where God's presence dwelled like any other. It was so holy and so powerful that when Aaron's sons entered into it in an unworthy and unholy manner, they were struck down dead. Talk about a stressful job. Can I just say that? I'm a pastor today, and it has some stresses, but a high priest in Leviticus 16? No way, brother. Sign somebody else up. I'm good. If you read chapter 16, you'll see that was, there was a series of rituals. He would have to put on a certain garment that was uh, a linen that was very pure and clean. He would bathe himself from head to toe. 
Then he would have to, he would have to take multiple offerings. He would have to take a couple goats and a ram. And he would have to sacrifice these. And he would have to bring them to different places of the temple. And then finally, the time to enter into the holies of holies would come. And it says in that text, when he was entering into the holies of holies, he would have to first offer a sacrifice of a goat before he would offer any other sacrifices for the whole community of Israel. He would have to offer a sacrifice for his own sin and for the sin of his family. And then after he did that, he was required to make an offering, a couple of offerings that would purify and vindicate the community of Israel of all their sins for that year. Great high priest, faithful, merciful. Why do I say that? Why do I bring this up? I found it fitting that the high priest first had to take an inventory of his own life. He knew his needs. He knew that he was sinful before God and God knew that he knew that he was sinful before God. He knew the needs of his family. He knew that his family was sinful before God. And before he could ever offer a sacrifice for the whole community of Israel, he had to reflect inwardly and offer a sacrifice for himself. And it was from that need, from that place, from that deficit, that he was able to think about the whole community and say, if I got it, they definitely got it. They are in need. I say all that to say this, that Jesus was the high priest who had no sin according to this book in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 21. He knew no sin. There was no sin in him. But just like the high priest who knew the needs of the community because of his own needs and was able to be merciful, as this text says, and to become a faithful high priest, Jesus, in the same way, was able to understand the needs of the people and be a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, yet without sin. And it says that he makes atonement for sin. And we know from the gospel, we know from the gospel, he didn't bring a lamb to Golgotha. He was the lamb. It was his blood that was shed. It was his heart that understood the needs of the people that he was able to cry out, cry for their needs, intercede for their needs. And in service to God, he became a merciful and faithful high priest so that he may make atonement for the sins of the people. I close with this, church. You can come up, Jamie. The last verse, if you turn to it quickly. Not only did Jesus come in the, to be fully human so that he could defeat the devil, which he has. The devil has no power over us today. Yes, he's still an adversary who's present. But he's been defeated if you're in Christ Jesus. Greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. The fear of death, gone. We no longer operate under the fear of death if you're in Christ Jesus. He also came as a fully human being so that he could offer mercy, so that he could extend mercy, tender care, tender compassion for us in our time of need. 
and to make atonement for sin. I don't know why God chose to do it the way he did. I don't know why he requires blood. Life is in the blood, it says. There's forgiveness in the blood. The life source of anybody is your blood. You remove blood from your bodies and you and I fail to exist. So maybe that's why, but for even for me, I'm just like, why God? I'm struck. I'm struck this week by the humanity of Jesus. And in closing, I just want to say he can aid each and every one of us when we are tempted because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help us, guys, who are being tempted. That temptation may come in the form of many, many different forms here today. Some of us are tempted to apathy. I'm just going to give up. I don't care anymore. Some of us are tempted to complacency. I'm just going to kind of move through this life and just be kind of complacent about my spiritual walk and who I am in Christ Jesus. Some of us are tempted right now in giving in to fear and anxiety and doubt. And we're allowing the culture to form us rather than us to shape the culture. Some of us are tempted into compromise and sin. Some of us are tempted into other things. The Son of God, in the flesh, in blood, was tempted in every single way you and I are tempted. Yet he did not sin. Tempted with the kingdoms of the world right from Satan's hand, he said no. No. Tempted from the pleasures of life and the, the needs of the body. He said man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Tempted to put God, the Lord God, to the test. But he said, no, thou shall not test thy God. I don't know what you're being tempted with today. Some of us are being tempted to go back to our old life. Can I just be honest with you for a second? Some of us are listening to the, the reports that are being given by the world. And we're saying at this point in time, and we're being swayed by the devil to give in to some of the sin struggles that we've overcome in the past. World's going to end? Let me grab a fifth and a blunt. Let me just go to work. World's going to end? Let me get as much pleasure as I can. World's going to end? Things are crazy. There's no order. It's chaotic everywhere. Oh, that's what the enemy would want you to think, that God is not in sovereign control of what's taking place right now. And that's exactly what he would whisper to your ears so that you begin to compromise and make excuses and give in to temptation. Listen, he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. I don't know about you, but temptation is always creeping at our doorstep. Some of you guys, as it's knocked, have opened the door wide open and said, come on in. Let's feast tonight. Let's feast behind closed doors. And that can come in so many different forms, guys. Tempted to succumb to the, the thoughts of man, the plans of man for your life, 
tempted to shrink back in being vocal for Jesus. The season is a time where we need to be a voice like never before. I'm going to ask everybody to just stand to your feet with me. Father, we thank you and praise you for sending your son as a perfect, unblemished sin offering for us. Jesus lived to die. We thank you for this amazing truth that has set us free. It set us free from the grips of the enemy. It has removed the power of the fear of death. God, we no longer have that fear working inside of us, around us, but we serve a Savior and are led by Him who is tempted in every single way as we are. He is offering mercy for us. He's interceding for us. I thank you for this amazing truth that we have this hope that he will see us through any challenge, trial, any circumstance, any challenge, God, that may come up against us. We have a Savior who has overcome all these things. Because of this, we can take heart. I pray that you would empower your church to walk with you as you have walked with us on this earth and are walking with us now via your Holy Spirit. We commit ourselves to you for this, this week and beyond, God be glorified and honored through our life. And we pray this in the powerful and matchless name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people say amen. amen. You say amen one more time. Amen. Give a hand clap for the Lord. God bless you. Greet somebody on the way out and make sure to see us on Facebook next week. God bless you guys.